Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer. This is episode 26 with my friend Crystal Evans-Hurst. Like all other episodes that I've aired this summer, now I recorded this episode in the spring, so months and months ago. So this episode has been scheduled to air this first week of August for months. Yet even though it was recorded months ago, I have no doubt there is a reason that this episode is airing now. You see, my friend Crystal, along with her family, has experienced a great loss this week with the unexpected death of one of Crystal's cousins and one of her best friends, Winter Pitts. I was blessed to know Winter mostly from afar, but God gifted Winter with amazing abilities that she used for his glory. Winter was a wife, a mom of four girls, an author, speaker, and podcaster. Winter's death happened on the same day that my husband, John, fell ill and ended up in the hospital. And thankfully, John's home and doing fine now. But in the past week, I've really been reminded again how precious life is. There are some amazing things that I'm including in the show notes this week. And one is a talk that Crystal, her sister Priscilla Schreier, her father Tony Evans, and her brother Anthony and Jonathan gave to their congregation just 24 hours after the loss of winter. It's a gut-level talk about the struggle that comes between faith and trust that we have during loss. And just hearing them talk about their faith in God, even during the hard times, was so encouraging to me. And it's a wonderful thing to listen to or to pass on to friends that you know that are really going through hard times. I'm also going to include a link to Winter's Memorial Service, and I know that you'll be amazed by all God did through his daughter Winter in her short 38 years. And amazingly in this interview, Crystal and I talk about the gift of life. Talking about Crystal's book, She's Still There, that was released just this year, Crystal talks about how God transformed her heart, helping her to realize her worth. In this interview, Crystal shares about the joy of finally understanding what God says about her and her value just by being alive. And this is a quote from Crystal, if you are breathing, you are worth the work of the rescue, Crystal says. If you're still alive, there is a gift of God in you that still needs to be expressed in this world. Now, like so many of her friends, I am thankful for the gift that winter was to this world. I'm also thankful that Crystal shared her time, her wisdom, and her heart in this interview, encouraging us to understand our worth and our value to God. Crystal also talks about working and trying to find balance in her life of raising kids and being an author and a speaker. She talks about paying attention to her need for rest, engaging the needs of her family. She talks about training and retraining and giving grace and more grace to her kids, which we all need, I think. And Crystal shares about the rhythm that she attempts to set her day and to turn her attention to God. I know you will be blessed just as I was. Now, here's my interview with Crystal. 
Well, I am so excited to have an amazing guest here today on Walk It Out, and I am just a fangirl of her um, and just all that she is doing um, just in her ministry and in her family, and um, my guest today is Crystal Evans Hurst, and Crystal, will you just take a minute and introduce yourself to my audience? Sure. Well, um, you already mentioned my name. I am um, an author. I do a little speaking. Um, have a lot of fun online with social media. I'm married. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 17 years. We're a blended family with five children. The girls are grown, 26 and 22. They are no longer here. One is married, one isn't. And we still have boys at home um, who were homeschooling like on a thread, but we're doing it. <laughs> 15, 13, and nine. So that is my everyday life. And even for our podcast today, I had to apologize to you, Trisha, for running late because I was downstairs trying to get everybody settled and quiet (laughs) so I could disappear into a corner to try to get this done. So that is kind of my life. One minute I look like I got it all together. And yes, I have something to say from God's word and I want to encourage other people. And the next minute I'm like, be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is why I just love like your social media posts and everything. It's just, I'm like, she's living my life with just a different family because (laughs) it is. I mean, we both have grandkids. Kids, so you know you have grandkids. I have grandkids. I forgot about them. Yeah. And then we have two two years. And two months. Yeah, and then you have kids at home that you're homeschooling. That's me too. And then you know we have speaking and books, and it's just this juggling thing. And I think a lot of people may think that we do it all, or and we're like, wait a minute. And we just got a puppy last night. Um, <laughs> my kids have been begging, and so all day like we didn't even do homeschool because we're all about the puppy today and I like right before I came on here to talk to you I'm walking around to every room now I'm recording do not bother me like I don't care if the puppy yawns like it's okay you can tell me when I get done recording um and I've had kids yeah pounding on doors when I'm doing interviews I mean it's just just real life in the midst of trying to encourage people. So what do you say if people, you know, say, Crystal, I don't know, how do you do it all? Well, the the, the quick and easy answer is I don't. Um, and there's a lot of things um, that I either don't do, or that I'm in constant um, effort to rebalance how I'm doing. If I realize that I'm not doing something well that I need to be doing better. And I think it's really easy for really quickly for life to Um, kind of run away from you in one of those areas of life. I mean, I have a couple of deadlines right now. People are banging down my door in my email. And yes, family does come first. But this is one of those weeks when I just, and I always enjoy my family, but it's one of those weeks when I just kind of dove in deep and there are a lot of emails that have piled up. People are like, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> and then I have weeks where it's the opposite, you know, where I'm all caught up on some work stuff. And I realize that my kid, you know, stopped doing algebra on Tuesday. So I have to constantly um, work to have the right, occupy my space in the right way. Um, it's something that I've accepted does not, even if you think you get it there, it doesn't stay there. So I think the biggest thing is to say, I can't do it all. Um, and for the things that I must do or I need to do, doing my best to to stay in constant effort to keep it as balanced as possible. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think balance is not something I will never achieve, but it's something I'm will always be working at. Um, And just looking for the signals from my heart, for my health, from my family and their feedback when I'm out of balance and doing my best to fix it. 
Yeah, I think that's, I mean, we're always like, okay, this week is going to be a crazy, you know, mama's yeah. on deadline. Yeah. You're going to eat Taco Bell tonight. <laughs> and, you know, leave me alone. And then the next week, I'm like, okay, wow, we're going to sit down and play a board game. Look at right. us. And so it is, it's, but it's ebb and flow, you know, and I think so many times we think, you know, every week has to be a perfect balance of writing. And, you know, people say like, how many hours do you write a week? I'm like, some weeks it's two, some weeks it's 30 hours, you know, depending mm-hmm. on how close mm-hmm. the deadline is, or if I'm in the middle of editing, but it's so completely different. And it's the ebb and flow of life. And I think for you know generations, I mean, there's, you know, farmers have the the seasons of spring when they're planting and the seasons of harvest and the mm-hmm. seasons of winter where it's mm-hmm. more still. Um, but I think we, because we, we have air conditioning, we have heat and we buy stuff at the grocery store. We don't like understand seasons, whether it's in nature or even in our lives in ministry. Um, and so there is that, like, sometimes it's harvest and we're going to be busy with that. And sometimes it's, you know, winter and we can, you know, do more with our kids or whatever. Yeah. I think, you know, what, what is helpful for me is just practicing the art of paying attention. And I think, um, in our world, both because if all we had were our families, that would be plenty for this to be true. But when you add in email and or social media and writing deadlines and getting on a plane to go speak or driving somewhere, um, you can really quickly always be operating, moving to the next thing. Like that's all you're, you're just trying to get to the next thing. And um, I think that for me, knowing how to make adjustments so that that ebb and flow, I know when to ebb and when to flow. It's just to pay attention. I mean, if I am hearing from my kids, you know, and they've said this to me, you know, are you still working? If if they keep saying that, if more than one kid is saying that, then I've probably not been in balance in terms of the FaceTime that they're getting from me. If, um, if I'm cranky, I'm probably tired, you know, or um, my soul is empty and I just need some refueling time, just some be still crystal time. And um, you guys, here's a movie for you guys to watch because I'm going to go sit in the bed and stare at the wall for two hours. I just need a minute. And I think the problem comes for me is when I'm moving too fast to notice what I need or what um, my home needs or what my husband needs or what my kids need or what my writing needs. Um, I'm just busy moving to the next thing because life is like that. It's like a... Um, um, it's like a, 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 what do you call it when you go to the water park, a lazy river, it'll just keep going around in circles unless you go, oh, there are the steps. Like it's time, my fingers are wrinkly. I need to get out. <laughs> you know, if you're not careful, you'll just keep going right. around and around and it'll never stop. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what that resonates with you, but. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes we get caught even in the bad habits. Like it's just so, it's just easier to clean up after mm-hmm. the kids because mm-hmm. you know it's so hard to like figure out the chore thing or like sometimes we get stuck in bad habits and um this year I've been just like realizing just I'm on the kids all the time about their rooms and their messes and just like I, I just hear myself and I'm like I really need to stop like I'm getting annoyed with myself and my husband's like well we just need to make it so their room they cannot go outside or get on their tablets or turn on tv until their homework's done which is our homeschool and their rooms are clean and I'm thinking okay this is going to be such a hard thing and it, it took like three days to clean the rooms, like like really clean their rooms um but once they were clean I'm like oh sorry you can't turn on your tablet your room you need, and so just the maintaining it has been so much easier than I thought and I'm not the nagging like you guys are slobs type of person. It's like I think do you ever feel like you get in these ruts where um 
it's the same kind of issues, whether it's writing or kids or whatever, that you're like, this is a problem. And maybe I just need to step back and do something different and tackle this in a different way. Oh, yeah. And the, and the tricky part is, is that I may have done that. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do it again. And I have to remind myself that I change, life changes, and my kids change. So, you know, just because I tackled this in one season, things have gotten different. Like what, for example, when we go through a sports season around here, which we have not been a sports family, my oldest son wasn't really interested. Middle son was kind of sort of interested. The younger one is the sports kid. And it's almost like when he got old enough to start, everybody else started. I was like, wait a minute, how did this happen? How did we become this family? But when we have had a season of chaos with just, you know, trying to keep up with everything, well, all of the habits that we built kind of went kaput because we were just trying to, you know, get where we needed to go and be where we needed to be. So I had to say, you know what? Um, Life interrupted our rhythm and routine. And it's okay if I have to come back and remind the kids of um, what should be or their closet was a disaster and one of the things that needed to happen, because you know how what happens when the kids outgrow their clothes. Well, then there's only like three things that they're wearing. So then they yeah. always are tossing their drawers. And the reason why they're doing that is because there's too many clothes in there. And, you know, half of them they're not even using. So while that was not a problem, it became a problem. So I said, okay, what what is the issue here? Well, the issue was there was too much stuff in there. So we pulled all the drawers out, went through them. I realized they only had three shirts, you know, okay, list of things that we need to shop for. But there was an underlying issue or a seasonal shift that had caused there to be a problem that needed to be addressed or readdressed to remind them of our... So, I mean, that happens to me a lot of times, but I think... um, you know, we just cleaned out the kids' toys. It's like, why are all these toys on the floor? Well, here's the reason why. Because my two older boys have kind of outgrown their toy stage. You know, they've got the basketball and the but all the little toys that got passed down to the nine-year-old, too much. So we just cleaned them all out, give away pile, throw away pile, you know, or the keep it pile. And your keep it pile has to fit into a bin that can store in your closet. Outside of that, you just don't need it. I mean, but we had to redo that part. And so I think we just have to give, well, I'm learning to give myself grace when we have to redo or readdress. And I'm learning to give them grace because that's my job as a mom. My job as a mom is to train and retrain and to give grace and to to regrace, if I can say that, because they're growing and changing. And I think if I stop looking at it like I did this last year, why am I having to do it again? And think this is a part of the rhythm of raising kids that there are seasons where you have to stop and just take take stock and uh, you know and just deal with the current issue and that's okay like it's okay then i think that takes a little bit of the edge off of i told you already well maybe we need to uh, address the issue headlong and or head first and girl yeah i clean out all those toys i was like how do we get all this stuff i don't even buy this stuff where is stuff <laughs> coming from <laughs> it reminds me we have so i have six girls in a row um, and so the older girls kept passing, you know, passing down clothes, passing down clothes. And then so I have my eight-year-old and 10-year-old who are tiny. I mean, they still wear a size seven, eight. They're tiny. But they have all this stuff. And we, it doesn't fit in the drawers. And I'm like, what is this? What well, was clothes that were passed down from the older girls? Mm-hmm. And I'm like are you going to wear this? I'm like, no, that's ugly. Like, but the elder girls are like, no, you need to keep that. That was my favorite t-shirt. And I'm like, really? She doesn't have to keep it. Like, you know, and the same thing. Um, But yeah, there's those things that all of a sudden I think, 
we have to take stock and like what's really bothering me and why and maybe it is just the clothes or just the toys or uh, you know maybe something else is going on and maybe it'll be like oh my goodness for three days in a row I didn't have quiet time like I haven't had my time for me with God yeah, and his word. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like this is why I'm on edge and I you know I have my kids um, when they first come down, I have one that's an early, early riser. So I'll think I'll like get up in time to have quiet time. And my littlest, he's seven, he'll come down. And now I'm like, okay, you can be down here, but like, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, play with your Legos in the corner. Mommy's going to be a happy mommy if I could read um, my Bible and pray. But I know when I don't get that. Um, so do you have daily rib- rhythms in your like devotional life too? And turning to yes, God? And- I have daily attempted rhythms in my devotional yeah, attempted- life. I like that. I have, a, I have an early riser too. Um, yeah, I have found that a couple of things are helpful for me. Um, one is uh, it's kind of a morning, afternoon, and evening situation. So in the mornings, um, I would love to study in the mornings because that is probably my best time, but I always run out of time and then it's frustrating. So I just try to have devotionals, whether I'm reading, just reading the Bible. Like even when I pull out a devotional, say like, uh, I've got a Jesus calling on the side of my bed. When I open that up and she has scriptures at the bottom, then I open up to those scriptures and read the whole chapter and just think, okay, this, all Jesus calling is, is this one person saying, as I read these passages, this is what, how the Lord was ministering to me. Well, I figure I can open up these chapters so I have context around the verses and just read them and see how God wants to minister to me. And I just just sit there and without an agenda, without, you know, Greek study, without, you know, trying to dissect the passage and get it into divisions and do some expositional work, just read, just read and let God's word wash over me. That's the time when usually my head is the clearest. And so the things that are concerning me the most, not because I was tired from the day before or frustrated from the day before, but kind of those long-term back of my brain kind of things, that's when they surface. So um, we'll have a little quiet time in the morning where I'm talking to God. And a lady at a Bible study years ago when my oldest oldest boy was a baby, she said, before you get out of the bed in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, just stretch your hands to heaven and say, God, um, today is yours. Please help me to know how to spend my time to do what's important to you and help my priorities to be yours. Because my list will always be 25 things long. But the reality is I can probably only do three major things, you know, that day outside of my norm, outside of dinner or kids or whatever. So, so that's my time to kind of just before the day has gotten started, just connect with God. Um, in the afternoons, I have, since the kids were little, had quiet time. And that's usually the first thing that I notice I'm, I haven't done if I'm cranky. So quiet time now with older kids, you know, it used to be nap time with older kids, their independent work or their fun things they do then. So I can disappear and I can work, answer emails, do podcasts like this. So they will, um, the spelling book that they can do on their own, that's when they do it or the cursive book, or uh, I got a couple online that are into coding. Well, that's when they can do some of that online stuff. Um, And then um, in the evenings, and I got away from this and realized it um, just recently, because my kids, when they were younger, I mean, I was religious about bedtime, like seven o'clock, bye-bye. You know what I mean? Like I need the evening. And so of course they're up a little later now, but um, my younger one was having such trouble in the morning. And I realized it's because you're going to bed when the bigger kids are going to bed, but your system still needs all the sleep. 
So um, I made a couple of adjustments. One is I made everybody's bedtime a little earlier. So instead of that 9.30 time, I made it be ready for bed at 8.30. If we're doing something as a family, then great. But if we're not, then you still have to disappear. Go read a book. Y'all can play a game quietly in your room. So, you know, it's not a hard thing, but I, you know, by about nine o'clock, I'm like, bye, (laughs) y'all, bye. And the younger one, the other adjustment that I made is letting him sleep in a little longer in the morning because he needed it. So he's my early riser and he gets up, but he'll just come and lay down next to me or I'll let him sleep on the couch and just let him have his sleep so I can get all that time. And so if I have quiet time in the morning to set the day, quiet time in the afternoon to kind of reboot for 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 <laughs> the second half and then a reasonable time where I've got I'm not passing out and jumping in the bed you know at 11 exhausted from the day um that is helpful now I said my attempted rhythm because um of course if I've got a project I mean multiple times this year I stayed up with my high schooler who was taking a co-op class for English and you know the night before an English paper was due I was sitting here at 2 a.m you know, with the grammar, the grammar checks and the, all the things before he emailed it in, or, um, you know, the afternoons come and it doesn't work out today, you know, just trying to get everybody through their schoolwork. But those are kind of my, you know, evening, morning, afternoon, and evening. If I can just get a little bit of time, even if I can't have a whole hour in the morning or a whole two hours in the afternoon or a good 90 minutes to settle in before bed, it gives me markers for what to aim for if I'm out of whack. Does that make sense? And so, um, so that's kind of, and then when I'm studying, um, in terms of, um, work, work, actual working, um, I found that if I can just collect my thoughts during the week and work on the weekend, like if I can tell my husband, Hey, this Saturday morning, I'm going, I'm going to open up Starbucks at 5am and you're not going to see me till noon that I'm able to dive in deep in a way that maybe a staccato um, cycle of studying or writing during the week wouldn't be as um, beneficial for me. Now, when I'm in the middle of writing a book now, that may flip. But in general, if I just can capture my thoughts so that when I sit down to write, I'm not like waiting for the thoughts to come. I've got thoughts that I just need to flesh out. That seems to work pretty well for me because um, at night I'm too tired to write. And in the morning, when I would love to write, I get interrupted. The kids wake up. What are we having for breakfast? And I'm like, no, I was in the middle of my best thought. So <laughs> so that's kind of my general non-book deadline rhythm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love how there's certain things that you set in place. So it's not like running from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, that there is time. And in the afternoon, I take a nap or sometimes I'll just lay down and even pray about whatever's going on during the day. The kids just think I'm sleeping. I'm just laying there praying. But it's, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It's just that like re, almost like resetting yourself. Um, and then then I can get up and I can deal with everyone again. And I think, I don't know about you, but like I'm an introvert. So I love quiet. I love peace. And then I'm like, and Lord, you gave me like all these children and all these, you know, and then homeschooling and on top of it. Um, So I do think we need those times to reset and times to get refocused on what's really important. Otherwise, it's just this ongoing thing where we we don't have time to collect our thoughts. So you, you mentioned collecting your thoughts um, like on a project during the week. Do you write those down? Do you record them into your phone? What do you do to, to capture those? Yeah, so both and. Um and I will tell you, I'm right now trying to get 
better about limiting the places where I'll drop my thoughts so they don't get lost or forgotten. <laughs> um, so my places are, I always have um, a book with me and I've tried like a little journal and I've done all the pretty things and all that. And honestly, my fave is just a composition book. Um, I used to love spirals, but then the spirals get all mangly. So the composition book, I always have one with me and it is my catch all for everything. Somebody needs me to write down a phone number or a confirmation number. That's that. My sermon, it's just one place because trying to keep track of multiple books was the death of me. So I just have one. That has simplified a lot. But if I don't have that book with me or if I'm driving, then yeah, I'll use my audio recorder or um, Apple Notes. I have an iPhone, so I'll just jot something down in there. What I've started doing is um, when I, like say I drop something in Apple Notes, then I will either use um, hashtag journal or hashtag blog or hashtag podcast. So I can at a, you know, on a Saturday morning, I, you know, hashtag book, I can find all the thoughts like really quickly without having to remember. And so those little hashtags make it easy to search in my notes. And then obviously I can look in the, in the journal, the audio recorder. The only time I use that is when I'm honestly emoting, like, and the thoughts are coming faster than what I could get down or if I'm driving. So it's, it's not something I go to unless like if I'm talking to myself in the car and I realize this is good stuff, then I'm like, oh, shoot, where's my phone? <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> like, I mean, can I just say that, that I talk to myself in the car? Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> and then, um, and then like, if I'm emotional, like if I'm praying and I need to, cause here's, here's apart from writing, here's the other good thing about, um, the audio notes, um, is that if I'm emotional and I record my thoughts, my tears, my, all the things, and I listen to it later. I realize, A, that with a little distance, what felt so terrible isn't that terrible. Um, it gives me perspective. And then two, it helps me to hear maybe the lies that I'm rehearsing or the um, the 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 faulty thinking because I'm listening to it at another objective time. So sometimes I'm wrestling with God on something and I'll hear myself say later, because you never or this is always, you know, and that's usually a good indicator of lives that, that that I'm allowing the enemy to plant and that maybe I'm rehearsing. But when I get a little distance and listen to it, I'm like, oh, this is how um, what I'm saying actually in light of the word of God is not true. And this is what God thinks about it. And I was emoting, I was emotional then. So it's good that I got it out and I was honest with God, but it helps me to put my life, the hard parts stuff I'm wor- wrestling with God on in perspective. Um, and then obviously if I'm writing, then it it, <laughs> it makes it easier later to just take dictation from my own thoughts as opposed to trying to, you know, come up with all the brilliant things that were coming to me while I was driving. Cause I don't know about you. My best thought comes, come when I'm in, when I'm in the car driving or when I'm in the shower, like that's the other, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm trying to break my neck to get out of the shower to get it down before I forget it. So those are my ways to capture. And then when I sit down, whenever that is, then at least I know in those three places, I can look and see what is left untapped or undeveloped. That would be a starting point for me. Mm, I love that so much. And I love that. I never thought about capturing your thoughts. um, And just even your wrestling with God in the voice recorder. I've done that before, just in a journal. And actually I had a, um, I was working with Alice Kreider as a life coach for a while, because you have all these things swirling in your head. And it's like the same six negative thoughts that just keep going and over, you know, with your kids or this kid always did this. And, And she says, like, just capture it and get it out there and then ask God what like he thinks of that. And so that's 
especially after we were dealing with one of our kids uh, after adoption, just she was just angry all the time. And I'm like, she never gives me a hug. And she just always has a scowl on her face. And she's just so rude. And I got it down. And once I got it down, and I, I wrote about this in my book, Calming Angry Kids, it comes out, but I got it on paper. And I realized like, okay, what does God think of this? He's like, she was this broken, hurting little girl that was like taken away from the only family she knew who had been neglecting her. Like, after I like got his thoughts on it, I'm like, Oh my goodness. It just gave me so much compassion, but I like had to get those thoughts out. So I love how you use the voice recorder. I just sit in a journal, but so many times I think we get stuck in these thoughts, these negative thoughts that are replaying in our minds. And, and we're not like giving God voice a chance to voice his thoughts or scripture. Or, you know, once I got it down, I'm like, all these scriptures came to me about, you know, having compassion and um, having a tender heart I and mean, all these things, but I had to get it out. Like it couldn't just keep swirling in my head. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think journaling is so um, crucial. And I have a journal. I've been terrible about keeping it. And it's a, it's a slowing down thing because it takes longer to write it out than it does to think it, talk it, or, you know, record it. But one of the thing, one of the benefits for journaling, and I realized this one day, I was like, I'm not going to process this out loud. I'm going to take the time and write it down is when you have to slow down and process what is the word for this feeling? You know, what, what am I trying to say? There is a clarification. There's a clarity that writing brings more than just talking about it or crying about it because you're actually forced to, to identify with words. Um, what, what's going on in your heart. And many times we feel our feelings or we emote with our emotions or, you know, even cry and pray to God, but we're, we're not processing what the issue is and writing forces you to do that. I mean, cause you can only write so fast. I think I did the math one time. Like if I, on a good day, if I just sat down and typed with all of my flowing thoughts, you know, in 30 minutes, maybe, maybe I'd get down a good 1,000, 1,500 words. I mean, and that's pushing it. But if I talk for 30 minutes, it's like 7,500 words. <laughs> so slowing down to be intentional about what you're saying to yourself or expressing is a good way to bring clarity. And you know, the Bible talks about God in First John, about the difference between darkness and light. And um, it's bringing things into the light sometimes that brings the clarity that helps us to identify the issue, whatever that issue is, so that we can identify a solution or identify what God's word says about this thing that we've been wrestling with in the dark. We bring it into the light. God is light and his truth is in light. And then we can clearly see that what we've been wrestling in the dark may not have been a big bad monster all after all, but we don't know that until we bring it into the light. It's like um, our, I took my kids to trauma therapy and it's called cognitive based trauma therapy. And that's exactly what it is. It's actually taking those experiences of those thoughts and putting it down and then examining them. So, you know, they may talk about all the, the trauma they went through. And then, well, my, my, my fifth uh, birthday party was really great. So there's good in the middle of all the trauma and just kind of getting it out there. Um, and I know as a writer, and I, I know I love your book, um, She's Still There Rescuing the Girl in You. I mean, there's so much of your personal story in there. But as a writer, I feel like this is my therapy, almost processing like all my thoughts, yeah. all my issues, like what God did. And then when I see it written out, I'm like, oh my goodness, like God was in all of this. Um, but it just took me to process it in the pages of a book. My husband always says, we have no skeletons in the closet because Trisha puts them on the front lawn for everyone to read. Um, was it that way with you when you worked on 
she's still there? Was it part of processing kind of what got in, in your life? Or was it like, had you already processed it? And then, you know, you're just putting down what you've already known for a while? Oh, no, it was therapy. In fact, I was like, I might have to get some therapy to finish this book. I skipped around because there were certain chapters. I just, I tried and I couldn't do it. Then I would wrestle with it. I mean, there was a lot of wrestling. There was a lot of, I learned that Expo markers write well on mirrors or not on, yeah, on mirrors and on windows. And there was just a lot of writing out on paper, on mirrors, talking through, um, a lot, a lot of it. I think I got a lot of free therapy, not just because I wrote the book, but because of friends that would read along chapter by chapter as I wrote, who understood or who knew me through those different seasons. And I would say, you know, am I being honest about this? Does this, does this sound like, you know, (laughs) the crystal that you knew that was going through this? Am I really like, there was a lot of um, feedback from myself Um, reflective feedback, as well as feedback from friends and family who love me, who could say uh, and speak into um, the journey that I had writing that book. So what were were they saying? Oh, you weren't honest here? Or maybe you should? Did did you get some of that? Yeah, there were there were some places where they're like, well, you made it sound pretty. But I didn't what I experienced with you, which was a little bit more gut wrenching than what you're letting on. um, If you want it, if you want this to be an honest reflection, and want me to be able to feel this is where you're at. You're going to have to come back and add some more. <laughs> so there was writing in Starbucks where people were looking at me crazy because I was crying over my keys. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just like in order for me, and there's a sweet spot. It's almost like when people, you hear athletes talk about being in the zone. Um, I had to, there was always like a writing zone and there were some places that I just was not able to be gut-wrenchingly honest until I had, you know, skimmed off all the fat <laughs> and done all my pretty writing and then just got gut-wrenchingly real with myself. Yeah, that is so good. I had an editor. Um, I've worked with Liz Haney on a couple of books and she's done a lot of Mexicados books. But she, like, I would think, okay, this book is so good. She is just going to like have hardly anything to do. It would come back. She'd like call me like, okay, we need to cut half of it. And <laughs> I'm like, what? I just thought, but I, I think I was doing the same thing. I wanted like I wanted to share, but kind of make it look pretty and make me look better than what was really going on. And she's like, no, you need to really share what was going on and your struggles. And how did you really feel when your daughter is screaming in your face or whatever? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, and then I think the hardest for me was letting my because, you know, calming angry kids is the most recent one I did and letting my teen girls who a lot of their stories are in there, I changed their names, but read it and like, okay, is this and they gave me some good insights too. But it was also this is the first time they really got to hear my heart. Because, you know, I'm just trying to like, look so good for them and keep it all together and keep the smile on my face. And they got to really see like what I was struggling with. Um, and sometimes even the people closest to us don't know what's really going on inside until like, okay, here, here it is on paper. Like, So did you ever, did you have some people like you were afraid to let them uh, read your book or read part of your story? Uh, yeah, but I was, I was pretty careful to, even though some of it makes me cringe, like, you know, you send out your book and then people, you're like, oh my gosh, people are reading it. I, I, I don't, I tried really hard to make it so that it wasn't the regretful though. You know what I mean? Like it makes me uncomfortable, but I don't regret it because I'm more interested in you getting the message than I am in protecting all of the nuances of my life. So, um, so no, I don't, I, I, I had that, you know, that general uncomfort people are going to read what I've been working on for months, but not in a, um, I mean, it still surprises me though, sometimes when I, if I go somewhere and speak or whatever, and people say, you know, I'm in the middle of chapter five. And first of all, I'm thinking, what was in chapter five? I know. And then, <laughs> um, 
But then also, you know, they're saying, because I so identify and that is worth it to me. I Because my goal, a large part of my goal was She's Still There was so that women would believe what I say in the end of the book because they believed my journey in the beginning of the book. And I've read enough books to know that if you gloss over it too much, then I'm going to think you're, you know what to tell me, but you don't know where I'm at. And I wanted the girls who read, read the book to know that I know where you're at. So when I tell you the hard stuff later, tell you the truth later, maybe give you some things to think about doing later, you'll trust me. And so if, if the cost of trust was being honest and you know having to wrestle to tell some of that truth and to be comfortable with that truth being in the light, then so be it. Because the end result, my prayer is that it really does in, engage the listener or the reader rather to do the hard work so they can um, do the work of rescuing the best of the girl inside. Yeah. And just looking, I'm looking on Amazon right now. I mean, um, it talks about, it was like sitting on the couch with your good friend and talking to her. And um, it says, Crystal's words make you want to laugh and make you want to cry. And she gives you examples of ways to encourage yourself and dig deep to find that lost girl inside. And I remember when I first um, saw, I don't know, probably on social media, I might've been on a private group I don't know but just hearing about um your concept I mean where did you come up with this and why was this so important because I think all of us like we remember those hopes and those dreams that all these lies and um that have been told to us just have have pushed them down so where did you really feel like this is the message that you want to invest in to share with women yeah well I um Two things. Number one, I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter and she was um, struggling in making a decision. And um, I said, well, it's going to sound a little crazy, but just bear with me. I said, you are at the time, I think she was 18 or 19. Um, And I just asked her this series of questions. And I said, well, listen, you have to ask the girl that you that you feel like is the well, first of all, I said, when do you feel like you were at your best? And I think she was 19 at the time. And she said, 17. That's when she graduated from high school. I said, why? She said, because I was the most excited about my life. Why? Because I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And I was excited about the next stage. And I said, so here's the thing. You have to ask that girl what she wants the girl you are now to do to still honor her. Like, don't get stuck in the in the the mud of where you are right now or the, you, you, you know, because things are harder right now, but you got to go and ask her because if you don't ask her now, when you're 40, you'll be trying to ask her then. And a lot of us get busy with just trying to get through the next thing, trying to get through the next thing, trying to, oh, you know, what's the shortest way to graduate from, you know, from college or what do I do with this, this relationship with this guy? Or, you know, I made a bad decision. How do I recover from that? Or I hate my job or I've put on all this weight or I just found out that I, you know, I'm struggling with infertility and we get stuck in the mud of life because life brings mud. And what we don't do is look past the mud, past the heart to the, the hope that we had at a certain point. And for some of us, that's different. We remember it at 15 or five or 20. So that's not so much the point as it is to think about what you were hoping would be or what you were excited about or what you dreamt about to keep that in mind. And it may morph and change as you mature, but not to get muddled down with the difficulty of life so much so that you forget to honor the girl um, and her hopes and dreams. So I said to her, you got to go ask her because she's still there and she'll be there when you're 40. But in either case, you have to remember to include her in your plans. And so that's where the title came from. But also um, I had written Kingdom Woman with my dad and the most frequently asked question 
um, that I got about that book is because I kind of glazed over, you know, that I was a single parent for 10 years and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And people said, so tell me about that. Like, how did that happen? And I actually looked on my blog and the most highly requested uh, or Googled searched terminology for me was Crystal Hearst divorce. I was like, you know, people are really trying to figure out <laughs> like what, what happened there. Yeah, what happened? And so, um, so I just said, you know, these are these. If you see me now, okay, I've got, I'm here. I've been married. We homeschool our kids, and I'm writing and I'm speaking. And there were ten years. I mean, it wasn't like I was a single parent for six months. There were ten years where I was a single parent. I finished school, college as a single parent. I worked my corporate jobs as a single parent, um, and I got married as a single parent. So I have that experience, and because I really didn't go into depth about that in Kingdom Woman. I thought this was a segment of my life that would be um, useful to kind of uncover and discuss for the greater value of telling people, okay, this is what it looked like um, for this one season for me to honor the girl that I kind of lost sight of. And so that's kind of the big um, life illustration that's in that book. And there are others, but that was kind of the other reason. It's like, okay, I obviously can encourage other people by di- diving a little deeper into this segment of my life. Yeah. And I think anytime when we share whatever season it is um, and what how God brought us out and and the just the changes and the growth and the hard stuff, I mean, it gives other people permission to kind of look at their lives and see where they're at and see, like, am I listening to lies? And where, if I could do anything else, what would that be? And um, all those really good questions. And I know that you did like a major, like career change in the middle of all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was managing, um, I was a assistant vice president at a, um, and an institutional money management company. So basically, I was a stock picker <laughs> um, and a majored in accounting, got work in finance and was happy to be making lots of money. Um, and then when I got married, my husband and I, he traveled a lot and I just was missing out. He'd want me to go on trips and stuff. And I was like, I can't, you know, I got to work. And so we just said, you know what, for this season, because it won't last forever. Um, and just to kind of solidify our blended family, I just quit working. And I then the six months after I quit working, I started homeschooling to help one of my girls who was struggling in school. And then we've just never gone back. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. So it was a, I mean, there's a lot of identity challenges in that. And um, I mean, I, I enjoyed working. I, st- I still do. But that particular field and that particular career, I was excited to be in. Um, so it took some I- adjustments and just, you know, self-identity and what I'm going to do. And of course, I think every mom, stay-at-home mom struggles, is, is you know, struggles with value. And is this important? And the world is passing me by. And I felt that because I'd really left a fast-paced situation. Um, but I mean, I still struggle with that now and I wouldn't go back to that if I could, you know, if I felt I would stick with what I'm doing now, which is writing and speaking. And I still struggle with that sometimes. But um, yeah, so there was a big change in that. But I've, I'm learning and have learned and I'm still learning, you know, what it looks like to honor the gift of me that God gave me, this gift of life and how I do that on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think we find identity. I mean, I'm sure you found um, awesome identity in your job and just, you know, worth. And of course, you're getting rewarded financially. And I know, I mean, you know, going from a struggling writer to getting all these books published. I mean, I went through that like, okay, look at, we're getting all, we're rolling now. And then God's like, wait, 
I want you to adopt some kids. And, mm-hmm. know, and I went like, I had my house pretty clean. I mean, I still homeschooled my kids, but I was able to manage, you know, the, the homeschooling because it was just, I mean, my three biological kids, it was just easier than it is now. Um, the house we were able, I was able to kind of maintain it, getting books published. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm picking off gum off of my van floor as, you know, kids are screaming and fighting all around me. And I'm like, God, is this really what you called me to? And realizing that my identity wasn't in a clean house and it wasn't in getting these books published. It was just being and loving the person that he puts in front of me. And sometimes that was really hard. And I think whatever, whether it's in a corporate thing, whether it's in a you know, author or speaker or anything. I mean, God will shake us down and like, where is your identity? Is it in me or is it in all these other things? I mean, I think no matter what you, what career you're in, where you are in your family, I mean, I think God does that with all of us to figure out, am I enough or do you need these other things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's a journey. And I think that's a part of, you know, just accepting, (laughs) just accepting it's a journey. But again, when you're paying attention and you're saying, okay, if I'm feeling a little insecure, um, what do I need to remind myself, you know, that God says about me, um, in this season or in any other season, because really that's where I want my security to come from, you know, not what I'm doing or who's applauding or how much I'm getting paid, but it's, you know, the value that God says I have and in whatever, season that is operating in, whether that's a season where I'm home with kids or a season where I get to travel or speak or a season where I get to work and make money from a corporate experience or a season where, um, you know, I'm on the back burner because I'm putting someone else on the front burner. I'm caregiving for a family member or whatever, like the value that we have and the value that we assign to the gift of life that he's giving us. If we base it on any of that external stuff, Um, or whatever I see other people doing on Instagram, you know, any of that external stuff, it'll mess you up every time. So when I start realizing that there's, there's, there's a hole somewhere, then what I've learned is to rush and fill it with what um, the value is that I have inherently as a child of God. And it's not a natural thing all the time. And it's not my knee jerk all the time, but it's what I've learned to do. And I, I, I've learned that by practicing that, that that helps more than anything else could because everything else is just a chase. I mean, you know, it's just a chase and it doesn't satisfy. So, yeah, which all this goes back to what we talked at the beginning, having that quiet time with God to be in his word, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, evening, in the bath, wherever um, we need to have God's truth coming in because there's so many lies. There's so many comparisons that we'll want to compare with everybody. And and we always compare our weaknesses with someone else's strengths. And, you know, all those lies will be coming in and it comes back to having that time with God, encouraging each other, which um, I love listening to your podcast too. And, um, you know, getting your emails. It's like, we need to have these voices of truth tellers um, that are speaking into us instead of listening to all the negative thoughts or the negative lies that come across. So I just appreciate you so much just sharing with us today and um, just sharing your truth. And again, um, the book is She's Still There, which I highly recommend it. I've bought, uh, you sent me a copy and then I read it and gave it away, then bought at least a couple copies and gave those away. So um, it's just someone, once you read it, you're like, oh my goodness, I know so-and-so needs this message too. So I thank you so much. Just pouring your, your heart out, pouring God's truth onto the page for all of us. Um, is there one last thing maybe you just want to give encouragement? Maybe someone is struggling with um, just wanting to look at that girl and, and trusting um, herself in that way. What encouragement would you have for them? 
Well, you know, I think that, I, I, and this is in the book, but I'll say this, this there's the story of um, little baby Jessica. And this was back when CNN hadn't been on very long. And many of much of the world it's back in the 1980s watched when this little girl fell into this well. And all of the work that had to go into all the people, all the equipment that went into getting her out of this well. And the reality is, is that, I mean, it was hard. It was, it, I mean, they had to, you know, think about the plan so they wouldn't collapse the space that she was in and how to get to her. And, um, but they were doing all of that and doing it quickly and doing it with a sense of urgency because she was still alive. And I think the problem is that we fall into pits, whether it's mental pits or physical pits, financial pits, relational pits, and we get stuck there because we forget that we're still alive. So my encouragement would be that regardless of however dark it may be, how frustrated you may feel, how overwhelmed uh, your reality may be for you right now, um, or about however bad it 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 is, it actually is. If you are still breathing, like right now, listening to this podcast, that's what that means. <laughs> you are still breathing. Then that means you really are worth the work of the rescue. And I want to emphasize the word work, because just like it took a whole bunch of effort to get that girl out, it does take work and we get discouraged. But on the other side of the effort, on the other side of um, of going back to school or, the, or uh, working on that relationship or getting the counseling so you have emotional healing, on the other side of that, there is still life to live. So don't get too discouraged about the darkness or the fact that you're six feet under. If you're still breathing, be willing to do the work. So if you're still alive, then there's a gift of God in you that's still available to be expressed in this world. I love that so much. I'm going to have my girls. <laughs> I'm going to have my girls listen to this podcast. I know um, I needed to hear it too. I know that there's listeners out there that just needed to hear that truth. If you're breathing, if you're listening to this, um, do the work and dig out that girl. Now, Crystal, where can people go to find out more about you and the book and all that you're doing um, online? They can find me anywhere at Crystal Hurst on social media. And Crystal is C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L. And then my website is CrystalEvansHurst.com. And you got to go to her Instagram because you just posted the most gorgeous photos of yourself and your daughter <laughs> and your mom, and your sister. I mean, they are stunning. I love them so yeah, much. A lot of fun taking those. Yeah. That, what a great idea. That was awesome. <laughs> well, it was her gift to us. And that's kind of my, oh, good. You know, parenting does pay off moment. I mean, I have a lot of those, but that was one of them for sure. I was like, wow, this was such a great idea because she was the stylist, the ideologist and the photographer. So her and her husband both. So it was great. They are great. So yeah, definitely check out Crystal's Instagram and, and look at those photos. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You can thank your kids. Um, make sure, you know, after you go and make sure they got their algebra done. <laughs> thank yes, them for right. sharing their time with us. And I know that you're just a blessing to my life. And um, we just got to find a time to get together, like for in real life sometime. I know. I know. I'm looking forward to the day when we're in the same place at the same time. That would be awesome. But thank you again for just being here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Friends, I am so thankful for all that Crystal shared. I'm thankful that even as a busy mom, she attempts to capture the messages that God is speaking to her heart so she can minister to and bless all of us. Crystal shared so many good things, but there, if there's one thing that I'd like you to take away, it's this, that instead of getting stuck in the mud of life, I hope that you, like Crystal, will take time to slow down and maybe with a journal in hand to get gut-wrenchingly real with yourself. Ask God what lies you've been listening to and make sure 
that you start focusing on his truth instead. Sometimes we don't even understand the lies that are inside us until we get them onto paper. Life is short, friends. Winter's passing is a reminder of this. Instead of focusing on those lies that you're holding, that's holding you back from all that God's calling you to do, I pray that God will help you to truly appreciate the gift of you that comes through his truth about knowing who you are and who you are in him. Also, friends, please continue to keep the Evans and the Pitts family in your prayers during this time. Especially pray for Winter's husband, Jonathan, and her four young daughters as they adjust to living without a wife and mom. Now, today's Walk It Out verse is 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We all need to know the truth of God's words to truly understand the truths of ourselves. And once we truly understand the truths of ourselves, we can live a message of hope for this world, just like Winter did and just like Crystal is doing now. Now, here's a prayer for us. Lord, my heart is broken by the loss of Crystal's sweet cousin, Winter Pitts. I pray sometime, Lord, that you will just... Um, bring healing to this family, Lord. I pray that you will be with them and just um, let them just rejoice over the good times that they had with her, but also help them to adjust to her not being around anymore a lot. God, I pray that the love that shined through winter will carry on to her girls and that you will do amazing things through them. And Lord, I thank you for Crystal's words that she shared months ago. Months before we even knew this loss was coming. And that is this. If you're still alive, there is a gift of God in you that still needs to be expressed in this world. Lord, I pray for all my listeners right now. I pray for those who question their worth. I pray that they will just be flooded head to toe with a new realization of your love for them. I pray that they will come up with the disciplines, whether it's setting aside time, waking up early, um, getting time away, that they'll have time to come before you and that they will open your word and that your word will help them to discover your truths. And I pray that your truths will allow the listeners to express their gifts to this world. Lord, you give us our gifts and talents for a reason. May we walk out what you have called us to, not because the world needs our gifts, but because our families also need to see what it looks like to live and work and shine for you, Lord. And then whatever those gifts are, I pray that you will just use them as you desire, big or small. Now we come to you, Jesus, and we ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Walk It Out today. As always, you can find more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com. And know you can find me on any social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under Trisha Goyer. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate it if you tell your friends about this podcast and encourage them to listen. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Walk It Out, published by David C. Cook. If you haven't had a chance to read Walk It Out, today could be the day. Yay! I've received so many amazing notes from people who've read about what it really looks like to dare to step out and follow God's word, and then just seeing them and hearing about how they are stepping out and just believing what your word says, what God's word says, and stepping out is just really amazing. So I love getting those letters and notes. If you have a story, I would love to hear from you too. 
you can always just email me at trisha at trishagoyer.com. Um, and friends, I would love if you would read the book and see how God can truly change your life too. Again, David C. Cook is the sponsor of this podcast and the publisher of my book. They are a nonprofit publisher spreading God's word in over a hundred countries. So thank you friends for tuning in and I pray that your week will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.